Good morning. On this bowl of Question Crunch, I serve up some questions for comic creator AJ Herrera. We talk about his independent comic publishing company, Forbidden Panel, his action-packed comic Zombie Hill Squad, and various other questions revolving around his love for the reanimated flesh-hungry undead. Welcome, AJ, to the Question Crunch. Welcome to Bowl 3. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here in my home. <laughs> yes, we're in your home. You're, I'm the guest, and you're the guest on my show. Right. You're the, is that guestception, I guess? Because it's like, I'm the guest on, in your house. No, you're the guest in, my, in your house. Right. Weird. Okay. Okay. So, uh, AJ, uh, what Jimmy? got you into comics? Um, do you mean like as a writer or just as a fan? Uh, let's go with fan first. Uh, what got me into comics is probably the exact same thing that got everybody else into comics. Feeling isolated and alone and wanting to find something that they connect with. Uh, my father was not an avid comic book reader, but he had a couple. And so he handed them down to me when I was a kid and I just enjoyed the storyline. I enjoyed being able to check out of my reality and dive into theirs. And so uh, from there I started collecting more and reading more. What well, do you remember like the earliest comics that you got into? Like- yeah, they were giant sized comics. One was Battlestar Galactica number one and it was an 11 by 17 comic. Yeah. And the other one was uh, the Incredible Hulk. I don't remember what number it was, but uh, the byline was they fanned the flames of fear and it was about him and Betsy Ross having turned into Harpy. And him dealing with that, trying to like, and you grab the comic, and you're like, "Oh, this reading thing, this is awesome! I dig it." Well, I mean, <laughs> I'd always been into books and stuff. Sure. Like, I was, I was very um, advanced as far as my reading comprehension went mm-hmm. as a kid. But being able to give my imagination a timeout and not have to picture it myself and be able to see the pictures here uh, made me appreciate it a little bit more. Plus, the art form, behind of course, it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, so I just stuck with it. Now with writing, what what where was that like? Oh, I can make this. Um, well, I'd always been uh, I don't know. I'd been pretty when I was in junior high. I had written a story uh, that I'd made up about Halloween, and mm. my teacher took. Ooh, Halloween! All right, cool. <laughs> my my t- teacher took that story and used it uses it even to this day as a writing example for her students as to exactly how to follow things and 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 what to do and. She was really surprised when I told her I made it all up. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, she submitted it to Reader's Digest and I got printed. And from there, I just learned I liked writing. Now that that story, did you expand on that story as an adult or did you like look back? Did you do any throwbacks? No, I'm a a kind of like a one and done kind of guy. I gotcha. Especially now when I do my comic books, I like to write. Uh, I like to make sure there's an ending. So I don't want to have to be writing for like 10, 15 years on the same story or, yeah. or characters. I like to know where it's going to end, how it's going to end, and be done with it and move forward. So no pointless sequels? Right. Yeah. No, I can dig that. Uh, do you start, do you plan the, do you plan the end and then just figure out how you're going to get there? Sometimes I plan, it just depends. Like the yeah. ideas just come to me and it could be in the middle, it could be at the end or the beginning and then I just write around it. Mm-hmm. It's, so when when you did this, that was it. You said it was junior high, right? Right. And that was your first exposure to your knack of writing was that story, right? Okay, excellent. Um, and it was the earliest story that you remember writing, right? Uh, so for Forbidden Panel, uh, one of your biggest stories that I that just always is in my head is Zombies Kill Squad. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? It came from I was watching a zombie movie one day, mm-hmm. and you know we're at like the three quarter mark. Before they finally realized it's a zombie and they shouldn't have. And this is like the 50th zombie film where I've seen this in. And I got really tired of it. Where they take too long to realize, oh, we should shoot them in the head. Right. Like, you know, we've spent an hour and 20 minutes shooting them in the heart and chest and legs and they're still coming. What do we do now? Shoot them in the head, dumbass. (laughs) And so I got tired of, of seeing that. And so I wanted to create a story. I wanted to ask the question of what if we knew there were zombies, would that change the outcome? And if we were trained on how to kill zombies, if we, were, if we knew what to do, and, and would that would that affect anything? And so that's why I started writing the book. 
Wasn't that strange in like every story, not just zombie stories, about like uh, where someone is attacking someone and instead of shooting them in the head, they shoot them in the gut and then they have like bulletproof vests and like, ha, surprise, right. I survived. And I'm just like, always go for the head, right. not even just zombies. Right. I mean, in the military, they treat you to train you to go for chest shots. Yeah. Um, and grouping. Is it just... To, so they the person might survive, or well, if it does, they're hoping that it subdues them. Even if you're wearing the, the vest, yeah, you're not just going to shrug it off like Superman. It, it hurts. It's uh-huh. like a baseball bat hitting you in the chest. So you're still going to go down, and and then you need to figure out if they're staying down or not, and go from there. Gotcha. So three rounds to the chest is going to put anybody down, regardless of the vest. And if they do it close enough, it will penetrate the vest. Uh, so you know you go from there, but. Yeah, shooting them in the head just always makes sense to me. And yeah, there's no walking away from that. <laughs> right. I mean, at least like take out their knees so that they stop moving toward you and yeah. then going for the headshot. One or the other. But if you're doing all that and they're still coming, try something else. Yeah. You know? So that's why I was like, I got tired of all that and I wanted to write a story that dealt with that issue. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I like that. Did it make it more efficient for you to write that story of like, it made me become more inventive on ways to where the good guy was going to lose. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm also tired of happy endings. Yeah. I mean, not those happy endings, but happy endings in stories and whatnot. I feel like most horror films should not have a happy ending. Right. I think they should all end in a scene like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Perfect ending. They all die. <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. <laughs> right. I don't think I don't think that spoiler is going to ruin the movie at all. Right? No, it's it's. I can tell you what happens in it, but it doesn't do any justice until you see the visuals behind it and the storytelling involved in it. Um, and same with the books. You know, I I, I don't want a happy ending. I want to see uh, depravity and, and and darkness and sadness and the suffering of humankind and and whether or not they can survive from that or not. And what's what's humanity's breaking point? And so all the stories I write. Uh, ZKS and all the others deal with that. And so, yes, it's a way for me to get more inventive with the stories. If you know how to kill zombies, does that matter? Does overwhelming numbers play a factor? Does the fact that who you're killing play a factor? You know, you and I are cool, but you come back at me as a zombie, as a zombie and I give you a headshot. Is that going to affect me emotionally, affect my psyche? And what kind of damage will that do? Gotcha. I, thought, I always thought that was really interesting on uh, Shaun of the Dead when his spoiler alert. If you haven't <laughs> seen Shaun of the Dead, you really should watch Shaun of right. the Dead. In fact, just skip this podcast. Skip this podcast. <laughs> just watch Shaun of the Dead. Um, when his mom turned into a zombie. Right. That was tragic. <laughs> right. Um, oh, what was it? Oh, no. Horror films. I don't understand it when they don't have us. I always expect a horror film to have a sad ending because there's no way that you can go through all that. And be okay on the other side. Right. Um, whenever you call the police and the police come in and they see all the bodies, how are you going to explain that? Right. Oh, everyone was dreaming a monster. That's not going to get you out of it. And so whenever I see the good guy get taken away in cuffs or put in a, ment- uh, a hospital, right. I'm just like, that makes sense. Right. Because it totally would. It would break you. Yeah. Uh, it would either break you to the point where you're just a slobbering fool or it would convert you into a murderous mercenary killer you know and and either way you there's no hap- heavily after uh, happily ever after for you at that point yeah there's damage and so like why not explore it and that's how i feel about horror films altogether. Right. zombie films should not have a happy ending right uh what what zombie films do you like the most like what's what's on your top of the list of zombie films that's hard to say i mean obviously romero's there sure uh, any of his films are are heavy influence but one of my favorite ones was dead set uh-huh and it was came out on the bbc a few years ago and what that was was uh they're on the set of big brother and they all you know live in this house and on this set and everything's happening but outside the world has become overrun with the zombie apocalypse and so does that mean that they're isolated so they didn't see what right because i don't know big brother i don't so remember. big brother is kind of like um like I knew the, the real show, world. Okay. Well, right. I knew the show existed. I just never really watched it because I don't like reality so, TV. So Big Brother is like you put all these random people in a house 
you lock them in the house and you see how they interact with each other with the different personalities and what have you. Okay. So you have like, you know, the, the classic tropes, the jock, the shy girl, the breakfast club group. Sure. And, and, but all of them want to become big stars. That's why they're on a show like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then behind the walls and behind the scenes, you have the producers and the cameramen and all that stuff. Um, and so the zombie apocalypse happens on the outside. They're completely oblivious to it. And then once a week, they go on the stage where the audience votes on what the person they don't like the most and get them kicked out of the house. So when they do that and they realize the audience is full of zombies and come after them, they're trying to figure out how to survive. And so the hierarchy that's inside, like the producer and the director, they still think they're the boss when they have no idea how to deal with all this stuff. And so it goes from there. And it's on BBC? Yeah. It was a BBC show, like three episodes. Okay. Um, but it was really awesome. I loved it. You know? I'm very tempted to check that out. Yeah, that it was just a different take on it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And so it was just funny to see how like, like the shy girl or the shy guy becomes the hero or not. You know, the jock just immediately whatever happens to, you know what i mean like i think it's funny that like in, in i can't wait to watch that show now because i'm thinking about the director like you said uh figuring out that he's still the director in this situation when you're just like no man this is right no, they, no, kept, they kept looking to him for help like what do we do what are we doing he's like, i'm no oh. longer at work this is no longer a job <laughs> right. this is survival right <laughs> he's like i don't know pull my car around what do you want you know, like, <laughs> that's nuts so uh, that's what really i liked about it because it was different yeah you know, and it was understandable that you wouldn't know what zombies are because you're like in this little biodome world of yourself. You know, you don't know what's going on on the outside world. So that's such a weird concept of like shit going down and then opening the window. I was like, oh, <laughs> nuts. Right. Um, with zombie films, do you prefer the vague origin or do you like knowing how the zombies happen? I don't. I, it depends. Uh-huh. Sometimes they tell the story really well, the backstory really well, and other times it's it's just so stupid, yeah, that you'd rather not know about it. Um, like with so with my books, I don't explain where they come from. Cool. I don't say how the zombie apocalypse happens. I just like, boom, here we are. This is what's happening. Go. Because I don't want to have to honestly. I don't want to have to think that hard or try to fabricate a story that's not going to make any sense or. Do the science or magic or whatever it is. Well, I think you know? the funny thing about do the science is I always hate it when uh, you can tell that they just threw a bunch of science at you. Right. And they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just like, oh, words. Right. T-virus. You Molecules. Know. Let's just add molecular everything and right. suddenly it'll make sense. And for some movies, all that is is just a reason for special effects. Yeah. Uh, and I just – I don't want to deal with that sometimes. Sometimes I just want – you're surrounded by zombies. Go – Zombie stories, zombies make a great background. And it's something that Robert Kirkman had figured out long ago. Having zombies in the background is cool, but it allows you to attack the individual personalities and characterizations of those peoples uh, and focus on that. And that's what he does. You know, zombies happen, cool. But what else is happening between us, the different factions, all that stuff? Um, And so I liked it. Like, we don't know what happened with The uh, Walking Dead where they came from. And I'm grateful for that because I don't have to worry about it. You know, I don't have to worry about a cure. I think I, I think I prefer the vague origin just cause I like, uh, like if, if zombies did attack, we're not going to know how or why. Right. And even if there is an actual origin, no one's going to explain it. Cause why would they? Right. <laughs> and how would you find out? Yeah. Like, one of the greatest, I'm going to go on Google. Like <laughs> one of the coolest movies I ever saw that a lot of people hate is Cloverfield uh-huh. because it takes the viewpoint of the people that are running for their lives. At no point in time do you find out where the monster came from, how the monster was created, and where he's going and what's going on now. Like you barely see the monster because you're focused on these people running around during this event. And I love that about it. And I think with Clover, there's Cloverfield, there's a lot to hate, but there's also a lot to love. Yeah. Because I, I also really enjoy that film. I remember when I saw it in the theaters and I did come out disappointed and annoyed. I'm like, I had a lot of weird shit that I didn't like. But then uh, when I saw that it was on Netflix, I think it was on Netflix or Hulu. I think it might be Hulu. When I saw it was there again, I was just like, that's a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun seeing right. all the characters interacting. Even though the guy says, oh, I got to go help my girlfriend. She's in that building right there that's falling apart. I would never follow my friend of that. <laughs> right. That is dumb. 
Right. Never. When he said, well, oh. and that's the thing, though. That group. They're not saying that group is is the most intelligent group around. They're yeah. just saying this is how this group is reacting to this situation. There can be the the the. There's limitless potential with other groups and other people and what they were doing during that that time. I kind of wish they did that. So do I. Which is what I thought the other Cloverfields would be about, like sequels yeah. and whatnot. Would be experiment. Would be showing what happened from this point of view. But, but I loved it because they they didn't spoon feed you all the information. Yes, that that is one aspect I really did enjoy. Like if uh, it was really happening, if we were really this was really happening right now, would we get an aerial shot of the monster? Would we know where the monsters at in his or, origin stories? No, we'd be like, we need to survive. What's happening? <laughs> like, and you're not going to go on your phone and Google, uh, hey, uh, right. <laughs> Statue of Liberty's head. Right. Why? Let <laughs> me launch my drone so I have all the information that's suddenly pouring into me. Like. And that's what was cool. They like when they stop by the tech store, and they see the news reports coming in. That's how they're getting their information instead of just automatically knowing. And it also left the audience wondering what was happening too. And the subway so, scene was terrifying. Right. That way you can relate to them. You were like freaking out about it, and that's what I liked about it. And that's what I like to do with storytelling too. Yeah. Get get uh, have have the monsters and the uh, the horrible situation be the backdrop. And just show the human story. Right. How human beings would react in that this situation. This is the environment you're in. Go. Uh-huh. No, I dig that. No, that makes sense. Um, what is your favorite zombie killing weapon? Uh, well. Like, it could be just you like seeing in the movies. You like seeing in your comics. You like uh, just you like the idea of that weapon. There is. Um, where was it? I just discovered it the other day. Uh-huh. And I think it's called the DT-22. So it's an actual weapon? Yeah, it's um, it's a double-barrel shotgun. Okay. And, but it shoots two at a time. Okay, well, okay. So that you're, you're, when you shoot, it's all boom, 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 uh-huh. boom. Just that fire, fast, rapid succession. Now, when you saw this weapon, did you immediately think that it's good for zombies for yes. the comic book? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I may, like, I, I was showing it to my artist yes, uh-huh. uh, this weekend when he was here. And I was like, get ready to start drawing a lot of these. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> so. Um, now, but, as far as movies, do you have, like, a favorite weapon? Um, in movies, um, no, 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 no love for the chainsaw hand from Ash. Uh, you know, I look at those things and I think of functioning. I'm ex-military. Okay. So when I see that stuff, uh, I think real terms, like would that actually function in real life or whatnot? What good would that be? So when I see Ash with his chainsaw hand, all I see is unless his arm is like the size of the rocks. He's just going to get tired of tossing that thing back and forth <laughs> after a while. And he's going down. So this is the, the double bit of shotgun. Okay, that would be cool to draw. Yeah. I and like that. It's got two barrels on it. So that yeah. when each shell comes out of it, but it, it fires in rapid succession. That's pretty and cool. It's pretty awesome. The D, DP-12. So you're, cool. so you're just watching Ash Williams with the chainsaw and you're like, oh, wouldn't the vibrations bother you at some point? Right. <laughs> like, where's he getting the gas? Is, is it too strong? What? Like... And that bl- that that chain the the chain itself has got to be dull by now. Sure, sure. <laughs> hey, what's happening there? <laughs> you know? It's a supernatural chain, right? And I can throw away my my belief for that time, but after a while, you're just like, how big is his arm? Like he's got to have like he's got to be like Freddy Rodriguez and in, in Lady in the Water, you know, where half his body is plump and the other <laughs> half is still skinny from wielding that thing. Well, see, like now I'm thinking about that. I'm really bummed out that I'm thinking about it because, like, uh, can, <laughs> the realistic can, approach of it. Well, I can give the chain. I can understand the chain because there's a lot of stuff where people use swords or stuff in action movies, and the and the weapon just never dulls. Right. I can ignore the chain, but now I'm thinking about the specifics of like having a chainsaw always on on right. your arm, and but, even even holding one as a human being with two hands is a headache. <laughs> anybody that's ever like done some serious chopping down of trees with a chainsaw yeah. knows that after a while that chain will skip, that chain will snag, the chain will get stuck one way or another, or it'll slip off its run, you know, and it's not a perfect weapon. I mean, he's running around with it like it's a lightsaber and just... Just slicing through butter. Right. And 
reality wise, I'm like, that's not going to be how it works. <laughs> At some point in time, it's going to kick back and nick him in his eyebrow. <laughs> like, you know? So when you got your shotgun, you saw it show up and you're like, that's practical. That right. can work. Right. Well, when I was developing the book, yeah, um, I did a lot of research and I came across, you know, Max Brooks's uh, World War Z and Zombie Killing Guide. And so I read that and, and dove into it. And a lot of what he said and the weapons he spoke about made sense. Uh, for example, he was saying, you know, uh, a machete may be great for close combat, but after a while, your arm's going to get tired of wielding it. And the machete is going to get stuck in, that, in somebody's skull. And you're going to have to just drop it and let it go and move forward. Um, and a, as a automatic rifle, a P90 is great because it has no barrel. Barrels, if they get too close, they can grab a barrel. They can get snagged on somebody. Uh, with a P90, it's a snub nose, so you still have the range of movement. And it has a versatile, it shoots 9mm rounds, which are easy to find. And, uh, and this a, is all in the zombie field guide. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah it's a zombie cool. survival guide. So, zombie survival guide. And so because of that, like I, I did more research. I went and uh, checked out the P90s and stuff like other weapons and weight and carrying. And so if I had to, a P90, that DP12 shotgun, and my own special uh, machete that I have laying right over there. <laughs> so <laughs> now. Having a military background is pretty useful in writing the story because right. I think that me writing a story of killing zombies, I'm not going to have that knowledge of weapons and how to use them and what could happen using the weapon. Well, this, that's why I took the approach uh, from ZKS as an organized military squad going in to fight the zombie apocalypse uh -huh. um, as opposed to your everyday casual like redneck in the woods or something like that Yeah, um, because I can't relate to that. I go in the woods and I'm immediately looking for choke points and places to hide. <laughs> Stuff like that. Weapons I can use if I needed to. Where I'm going to run away from if a bear comes out. Things like that. Sure. So uh, that's why I wrote it's Zombie Kill Squad and not Zombie Kill Homo. Uh, <laughs> zombie Kill Posse. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, homo Sapien. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, zombie Kill Solo Dude, you know. <laughs> zombie Kill Club. Right. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to to show them being trained, not only in a military fashion, but a military fashion on how to kill zombies. And again, ask the question, will that make a difference? Um, so there. I dig it. Uh, so you said that when you go camping or you go in the woods, you already see if a bear comes at you, where you would run. Right. Now, in a zombie outbreak, where would you go uh, in real life? Walmart. Walmart? Walmart. It has a, a very minimal glass okay. displays that you can easily drop the shutters down and protect yourself. There's food, clothes, weapons, everything that you need for days. Um, the only thing you would have to worry about is clearing out the, the building itself and roof access. So I, th I think you might be right because I'm trying to think of like uh, any kind of issue that I'd have with it. I think well, most Walmarts, I, have you seen like a two-story Walmart? Because I think a one-story would help out a lot, right? Yeah, yeah most of them are all one-story uh, with some sort of roof access for AC and work and all that, but yeah. Other than I can't uh, even think about windows too, because I think it's only just those that, those front doors. Right, it's just those front doors, and so the only thing you would have to worry about is you know it's Walmart, so the products won't last. <laughs> <laughs> you do two shots, you're like no, <laughs> right? I mean, you go into their camping section and they have shotguns, handguns, they even have uh, BB rifles and stuff, which could. If anything, at least deter what's happening and give you a little bit more time to run away. And with the, the, the way that the the aisles and everything are built, it's portable and, and temporary. So you can arrange it and create your own choke points and trap zones for anything invading or zombies coming at you and just lead them down away and be all 300 about it. I think you're super honest something with Walmart because like I, uh, whenever I ask my friends about this, a lot of times they'll say Bass Pro Shop because of all the weapons that are around you. But Bass Pro Shop, they like to have the uh, sunlight come in right? and there's just a lot of windows. I think Walmart would be a good idea. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind in the zombie out outbreak. Right. I'll There'll see be a you race the to Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, they have cell phones and, and, and electronics there, so you can stay up to date, stay in communication with people, and you're good to go. Except that the items won't last. That's the only, like, I guess you'll have to have, like, scouts go and try to find stuff at local places. Well, most Walmarts are, I mean, you get a few of them that are secluded, but a lot of them are 
attached to other buildings, like the one here in Redlands. Okay. You know, so if I need to, I can run out to Applebee's and get some. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm, I'm even picturing like the Walmart that I know about. And I'm like, well, in and out's across the street, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. I need to just post a couple guards on the roof and then make a, make a run. Yeah, yeah. Get one of those automated shopping carts. And <laughs> I think most Walmarts are connected to stores, so you could you could travel uh, not too dangerously unless right. there's like a huge crowd. I mean, if there's one zombie on your way to that store, I think you can take him out. Right. And eventually, if you needed to, you can go into the next store, clear that out, knock down the wall, and expand your base to, to take on more people, more family, or just have a big-ass mansion all by yourself. <laughs> no, I did well, I mean, if you get to Walmart ahead of me, uh, I would I would appreciate it if you let me in. I'll think about it. <laughs> Depends on how this podcast comes across. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which kind of zombies do you like? Do you like the running fast zombies or the slow zombies? I like them all. You like them all? Yeah, I like them all. I like, but I like the theory uh, that freshly people that have just passed away have more mobility and agility in their body than. Uh, Older pe- people have passed away a long time ago because their bodies haven't decayed yet. Yeah. So I like the idea of like fresh kills being more fast and mobile, and then older people being slow and and, and just do a lot like, of zombie movies do that because I can't remember. No. Okay. No. There's like you, you get the shamblers or you get the runners. Those yeah. Those are the only really two you get. I've just never seen like the degrees of speed. Well, that's just my own theory. Like, yeah. You know, that's what I write into my stories. Yeah. Is that that degree. Uh, it's the only way to rationally explain it. <laughs> to rationally explain zombies eating people. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, come on. You think the dead rising, they're not exactly like the most athletic people in the world. <laughs> you know? No, I'm just thinking of one zombie like stretching and getting ready to right. run. Checking, checking their pulse. Right. Checking their, their, eye, their eye watch. And you see that one lane. zombie from Kenya and you're like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> right. I am dead. So, oh, my God. It's a zombie cheetah. <laughs> how long have you died just a minute ago i'm so dead <laughs> right especially when you get those that are like uh let's say you get a zombie going into a, a crowded room and he bites all those people and infects them boom they can still have the speed that they have of, of being alive because they're very quickly dead right and they're not really you know they he didn't tear their legs off or anything he just bit them converted them and then boom go um as opposed to like in the world I have, uh, everybody's pretty much already infected. So when you die, whether natural causes or not, you're coming back. Okay. Um, so there's that type of person that dies naturally or in a car accident or whatever. But then those that are freshly bitten have the, the spryness about them, you know, the agility and the speed with them. Um, so I I like that. So that's why I write it. You know? Yeah, of course. Now you get the, the different types of zombies. You get the, the infected you get the, the the virus and the strain ones and all that stuff, and I mean that's okay, but I still think that's just a cop out as far as uh, an origin story goes. You know, and I I, I don't want to know about the origin. Just, yeah, let's go. Now, when you write, uh, do you introduce characters knowing that you're going to kill them? Everybody's going to die. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but do you do you pick like specific characters where you're like, I'm going to kill you in the worst way? <laughs> I um. No, not really. No? I, I, I write everybody with a fresh outlook, and then that character develops its story as I'm writing them. Okay. They tell their own story. I, I have an idea of how they're going to die, Yeah, but I let the outcome determine itself. I just feel like when I'm writing, a lot of times I'll pick someone, and I know I'm going to just kill them. And if I change my mind organically while I'm writing, right. I'll be like... Mm-hmm. See, that's why I don't do that, because... Okay. I, I started to do that. Yeah. And like, but it turned out like sometimes the asshole does get to survive because he's looking out for himself. Yeah. As badly as you want him to die, he may last longer a little bit than, than I don't else. kill assholes. I kill the people that people like. Right. <laughs> and so, and so eventually I'm just like, well, I can't just predetermine who dies. They've got to die as the story progresses and go that way. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a few people like when I put you in the story, you're going to die. All good. Time. Good. But that's, that's, I'm just like you're just gonna show up dead. I'm perfectly <laughs> fine. I'm perfectly fine with people are putting me in a story and just killing me. Just do it. Right. Just do it. Um, but I have to tell my wife that she's gonna last a long time. <laughs> 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 but 
but it, you know, you know what I mean, though. It's like I, I can't. It's hard for me to put somebody in uh, with a predetermined death date. Yeah, you know, you want the story to organically because I know, I know that people will read that and feel, uh, well, he's gonna die. Yeah, I, I want, I want the deaths to be a shock and surprise, and the way they go, everything to be like, oh shit, you know. And I've seen those kinds of movies. Like uh, I recently, because I recently watched Event Horizon. And uh, I tried watching Event Horizon when I was in high school, and I just gave up because it was terrifying. I love that movie. It's a good movie. It's actually a good movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And it was strange because, like... Coming for you, baby bear. (laughs) This place is a tomb. Baby bear. When I saw him, I was like, oh, you're so going to (laughs) die. Like, the moment he introduced him, I was like, oh, buddy, you you don't have survival on you at all. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw uh, Supernova... I don't know if you've ever seen that. James Spader, uh, Angela Bassett, um, Lou Diamond Phillips, and a couple other big names. And then my friend, uh, Wilson Cruz, I went to high school with him. He's in the movie too. And I was like, oh, Wilson, you're going to die. <laughs> Everybody else is a spectacular actor or actress. No one knows you. You're gone, brother. Yeah, you're not You're not a Bill, Billy name. <laughs> right. <laughs> now he's in Star Trek Discovery. Uh-huh. So it's good to see you survive that way. <laughs> <laughs> Supernova, you said? Yeah. Okay, so can I see your buddy die? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I have not seen that movie. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back. It's like l- listening to you go down the names, I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a good movie. See, these are these are for notes. That's see, okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'll remember. I Supernova? Super, super, super supernova. Nerver. That's weird. <laughs> supernova. Supernova. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish chef watching horror movies. <laughs> I would watch that. Runway. I would watch that. If if the Muppets did The Shining, I'd watch that. I love the Swedish chef. I remember uh, this is completely off subject of zombies, but I was just uh, watching this YouTube video of uh, Swedish chef, Animal, and I'm trying to remember the other one because it was three guys who, oh, Beaker, and they were singing Danny Boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would check it out on YouTube. Um, But uh, yeah, Swedish chef, the shining. Oh my God. There's a lot of things. I. I never even thought of horror f- horror films getting redone as Muppet films, and now my brain is just exploding <laughs> to the possibilities. Oh my god! I would watch a zombie movie with Muppets. Yeah, that'd be great. Totally. So, speaking of Muppets in a zombie movie, what TV universe or movie universe that's not horror would you want to see zombified? And not Muppets. We are that's cheating. If you're like, right. oh Muppets, you, you stole my answer. You, you <laughs> stole my answer. Um. I don't know, Alf, eighteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of Alf like brains. <laughs> <laughs> but would, would he go after people or would he stick with the cats? He'd be like zombie cats. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> he just makes a whole army of zombie cats right, eating them. Exactly, and he just control them. Sorry, even as a zombie, they're my favorite meal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I no love thought Alf. in this one. <laughs> um. I don't know. Hey, thing with with A team, like every the zombies would live because the A team couldn't shoot for shit. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't. I'm thinking of the A team, and I'm like, I always love it when survival comes together. <laughs> <laughs> I always love it when a brain comes. Together. <laughs> um, but then like like Dwight Schultz would be sane in the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Yeah, no, I dig that. Like, if, if you had, like, The Office, that's who you're talking about, right? No, Dwight? no, 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 no. Dwight Schultz was the guy who played, uh, I can't remember his name, the helicopter pilot. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he was, was always was insane and crazy. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Dwight Schrute. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no beats in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in The Office, I think Dwight would survive. Well, he's got the farm, so... All he's got to do is hang out there with his creepy cousin. And maybe well, even in the office, he planted weapons all along the office. So I think oh, that of all true. people to survive, I think Dwight would survive a zombie apocalypse. Well, and and they know how to parkour hardcore. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so the zombie kill squad that came from the idea of just getting right into zombies with a squad that's well trained. Um, 
do you remember do you remember what kind of movie it was that you decided like I want to see this happen or was it just your impatience of like get to the part where you shoot people in the head? I think it was just my my impatience. I I, I can't pick a certain movie. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you what movie uh, changed my mind about like made me happy about writing it. Okay. And that was uh, twenty eight days later. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Made you happy with writing a comic or? Yeah, it made me feel like like I wanted to write in this genre. Uh huh. Because uh, I mean, it was it was scary and frightening as it was, but uh, it addressed like blood transfer. Yeah, as a way of becoming, I remember that the blood gets in the eye, right? Right, it gets in the eye. You know, it sprays on you and stuff, and so it made me realize that uh, you have to cover up if you're going into a fight because if you have an open wound and zombie blood or something gets in there, you're going to get infected. And that's a quick way to turn. Mm-hmm. Aside from a bite, like you don't even have to be bitten. But it also focused a lot on military and, and survival instincts and how uh, um, the zombies weren't the only threat. And so I loved it for that. And then they introduced the running zombie, the rage, the rage zombie. And I loved it. That was the first one that introduced it? Yeah. Nice. Because when they the, – the favorite part is like when he walks into the church and he's looking around for something and the zombie wakes up he's like <laughs> – <laughs> like fucking Scooby-Doo and then bam just runs after him and he's I like think, I didn't think Scooby-Doo but it's totally Scooby-Doo brains <laughs> <laughs> and Cillian Murphy just goes book it <laughs> yeah. and at that point I was like oh this is awesome okay I gotta write some stuff about it it's been quite a while since I've seen that movie now I kinda wanna get in on it yeah it's pretty cool but you gotta sometimes when you go see a movie when it first comes out yeah you know you're going as a moviegoer and so you don't really appreciate all the nuances and the subtle hints and meanings and stuff that you would normally do. And then um, it takes that second viewing a while later or even a viewing with a friend to have an opposing viewpoint to finally see what the genius or how horrible the movie was. Yeah. And so 28 days later, like I saw it, I was like, oh, that's awesome with this. And then when I rewatched it in, with like a group, I was able to appreciate it more because I saw other people's reactions to it. And what they focused on and what got them excited or scared or whatever. And it was always different for everybody else. And so, like, it allowed me to go, okay, well, these are the different types of characters I want to write about, you know? So you have test audiences on movies that you like? And you're right, like, right. Yeah, we'll call it test audiences. <laughs> <laughs> Not lab Not, subjects. <laughs> <laughs> Not guinea pigs. Right. Here's a zombie movie. No, Let's no, see what friends. you like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, we're not friends anymore because they're dead. But, you know. <laughs> you're just like... Uh, yes, test subject A. I mean, Bob. Right. Oh, Bob, your leg is going to get hurt the minute the zombies chase me. <laughs> They're going to grab you and let me go free. <laughs> so you like you like both zombies. You like the running and you like the slow ones. I, uh, I like I like zombies that make sense. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like uh, when I'm watching it, you see the animatronic zombie. Yeah. I, I hate that. I like the, the um, or World War Z. Yeah, like the ant army zombie, you know. I, di- I didn't appreciate with that. the with the pile up over the wall, <laughs> right, right. Because they're just after like they're crazy after a goal. Yeah, you know? but uh, that I was like strange m- when they had the uh, water kind of zombie. Yeah, in, the wave uh, of zombies. Yeah, so. there's a movie. The- there's a movie, uh, zombie wave or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah, but I guess with the with the wave of zombies in that one was a zombie tidal wave or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, that I understand that because now it's water making them look like a wave. But in World War Z, they were coming down that walkway right. like water. Right. And I thought that was odd to see. Yeah. No, I liked. Uh, I just like the sacrifices made in World War Z. Yes. Like you know the girl getting her arm, arm cut off and all that stuff. Yeah. Blowing up the plane to save the world that you're on. Well, you other when he counted the virus. Right. That was pretty cool. Um. Even though it was nothing like the book. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read the book, so uh, I, I, it's so strange when I watch movies that I haven't read the book, and I, I watch it with people who have read the book, and they're just like, I, I feel like I enjoyed a lot more than them. Well, I always say that if, there's a, if you're going to go see a movie based on the book, watch the movie first. Yeah. Then when you go to read the book, it doesn't ruin anything for you. A, a movie's not going to ruin the book. The book will ruin the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or vice versa. But... You're not going to hate the book because the movie was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I dig it. Because then you get to, uh, if you read the book afterwards, then you actually get to see the thought process right. of the characters. And it fills in blanks that the movie left. Yeah. You know, don't wa- watch Harry Potter and then read it. 
<laughs> well, my friends were all talking about like uh, when we saw It Chapter 2 and they're like, oh, well, the book's completely different. I was like, well, I'm never going to know. Right. Because I have no desire to read a book about a monster clown. Right. It's not going to happen. But if you want to know more about that monster clown and the movie wasn't taking enough, <laughs> you'll go and read the book yes. and learn more. It's better than going the opposite way, I think. Now, what do you think about like what if the book has a I, – no, I mean the movie's not going to ruin the book now I think about it. Because I was like, well, what if the ending in the book sucks but the movie's better? But that doesn't mean it's going to ruin the book. Well, it, yeah. It's – with Stephen King, they made fun of that fact throughout the whole It Part 2. Yeah. Like it was great up until the end. <laughs> they they definitely ran with that gag. But you're not going to there, – there's never a time when you're going to actually see a nightmare spider coming at you that's not going to look stupid on the movies. <laughs> right? But in your mind, it'll look terrifying. It's going to be like Aragog or whatever from, from Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. That is more scary than whatever you're going to see on the screen. Correct. So I – That's why I won't read the book. <laughs> right. Because I know it's got to be a lot Unless worse. you have a really lazy imagination. Yeah. And you just see a stick figure <laughs> spider in your dream. <laughs> yeah, I only uh, I only imagine a whiteboard right. marker. I, <laughs> dry I always marker. picture spiders as like the little dust spiders from Princess Mononoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see them as like those little uh, Halloween hangings. That... Right, right. That's why I'm not scared of them. Rubber bats? Psst, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> when you write Zombie Kill Squad, uh, do you... Think about potential castings. I try not to. Okay. Um, no, I can understand that because you don't want to copy their dialogue. Right. I don't want to hear that voice. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm it, not ignorant of the fact that people do speak like that or have those mannerisms. Yes. Uh, so, but I try not to do that because then you get locked in the idea of like, ooh, that means I'm going to sell this movie script and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then you like, you over anticipate. I don't want to do that. I want to create to create. Okay. I don't want to create to monetize it. Yeah. The comic book medium is the only one that you're focusing on right now. Right. Now, I, I do dabble in indie film every now and then. And uh-huh. I, I, I wouldn't mind writing a script for that. Yeah. But I don't want to adapt my books to it. Yeah. Or vice versa. Because I don't want it to influence my writing. Now, you say that you try to avoid that. You get you always get the tropes, yeah, man. You know, you you get the jock, you get the the big boob one, you get the 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 nerd and the people that don't know what's going on. You know, but do you have any moments where you accidentally think about a casting when you when you're like, oh, that person would be great for this role? Uh, if I do, it's more of a personal side. Like if I'm inadvertently writing you into a, as a character. Gotcha. You know, and and not a famous person. Yeah. Unlike the boys who <laughs> created Huey based off of, uh, God, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Um, yeah, I'm just like, uh, I, I don't think that I'd ever be upset of anyone using my face. <laughs> I can't see myself like it. If it's an artistic endeavor, I would love to see myself die. <laughs> well, we've held many a contest where uh, come dressed up as your favorite zombie or whatever and we'll put you as that character into a book. Yeah. You know, or we've done live draws where we've drawn people opposed and we've drawn them and then used that in as a zombie or something in, in our book. That we've done and that's fine. But as far as writing a celebrity or something in there, not my thing. I, or, or pre-casting, again, not my thing. I love drawing people when they say the, when they when they tell me, oh, draw me as a zombie. I'm just like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. I was like, because I'm going to go grotesque. Right. You're going to be missing parts you're gonna be you're gonna be a rotting corpse and i feel like that's kind of freeing for me because a lot of times when i'm drawing someone i want to draw them looking good i am always very uh flattering this is how i draw my french girls (laughs) (laughs) all dead and decayed i'm gonna draw draw me like your french corpse (laughs) (laughs) but that's a lot of fun i love drawing people as zombies so uh yeah feel free to write me in any kind of you're like oh i need this guy to die horribly just right. ripped to shreds i'm i'm willing to do that i'm willing to be cast we'll, like that we'll just show your face on the floor with a machete through the head <laughs> as they're walking by even better or you know a, a chainsaw that was du- too dull to kill me all the way <laughs> <laughs> a, a chainsaw with a detached arm to it <laughs> uh what projects are you working on right now um currently i am not working on any projects no no I kind of took a break. Um, 
physical and mental problems that I had gotcha. recently. So I took a break from the stresses of, of creating and writing. And um, so what's yeah. going on with Forbidden Panel right now? Like I know you you stopped doing the podcast, right? Right, I stopped doing the podcast, and uh, I was doing a, f- a movie review podcast, but I had uh-huh. to stop that as well. Okay. Um, health took a bad turn, so yeah. I need to be more aware of stress and and whatnot. Uh, that's not to say that I don't have ideas and wants to do it. A lot of Forbidden Panel, we all started this about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So now we are deep in the middle of being adults and paying bills and making sure everything's handled. And so, you know, one of my artists is a machinist that works 60 hours a week. Another guy is a mail delivery guy that works 70 hours a week. You know, doing all that, it makes it hard for us to get together and collaborate on projects. But it's not that we don't want to. And that we're not going to. We will. It's just going to be we're looking for more of one event to do instead of doing multiple events a year. Yes. So that's where we're at now. And it's more comfortable pace and whatnot. Do you have events that you hope to? Uh, we're, we're looking at being at Midsummer Scream next year. Uh-huh. And hopefully have a lot of new stuff there. Um, that should be a lot of fun. Well, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Midsummer Scream. If, if no one knows that, they need to know it. They I, need I went, to know it. I went last year for the, this year for the first time. Yeah. And was just blown away. I just loved it. It's definitely my um, favorite show. Uh, my favorite spooky show. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a big, I'm a big horror fan. But I've done, I've spent, like I said, I spent the last ten years at conventions. And the way that comic conventions are moving now, they're moving away from comic books and going more toward, you know, cosplay and media and and, and productions and all that stuff. And which is cool, but for somebody, for a company like ours, we don't have a place there anymore. Uh, especially since we're not putting out as much new content as we used to. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for us to find a more genre-related show that will accentuate what we bring to the table. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. And But you you said you're going to have new stuff for it, or you're hoping for new stuff. Hoping for new stuff. What's those? What's the new stuff that you hope to have? I can't tell you. Okay, no, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. I can totally understand. I totally understand. Um, No, I can. I can. Uh, I know that right now we have, there's two stories that are being, that we did a 24-hour comic book that are being finalized. And one of them is uh, a coffee shop uh, filled with superheroes and villains, and that just goes crazy. Nice. Um, what's what's going crazy? And like, you don't have to be specific, because I know you don't want people to take the story. No, no, I'll, 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 I'll tell. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, some guy tries to be a gentleman and, and purchase the... Uh, another woman's coffee for her. Yeah. And she gets uh, offended by it. Uh-huh. And spills the coffee on him. Turns out he's like a super villain trying to be a nice guy and she's a superhero. And the rest of the coffee shop is filled with villains and heroes and they just go into a big apple. <laughs> and it just goes from there. And the guy's just like, I just wanted to buy you a coffee. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird That's a weird term for a villain because the villain was trying like – I'm almost thinking that he's buying the coffee as trying to hide who he is. Right. He was trying to be part of his disguise. Like yeah. His, you know, mild-mannered guy. Yeah, because no one would suspect this guy for being a villain. Right. And and so that's that's that story. And then the other one is one that uh, my artist Justin developed that I wrote. Um, and that is uh, he wanted to do a side-scroller comic book, like Castlevania-type video game. Yeah. Where it's just on the side. Where you can't go back. Right, so we That's did that, neat. and it's in a dungeon with wizards and, and, and princesses and warriors and all that stuff, um, but it's just like total 3D, like like health bars and magic mana and all that stuff. All that sounds like fun. Yeah, so we did that. And you think that you'll, that'll be available for Midsummer Scream? Or? Um, hopefully. I mean, it's it's a little over under a year, Yeah. so we're hoping you have it done in time. If not, then the new... I was hoping for free comic book day, but Midsummer Scream is uh, definitely more time. Right. Uh, we have two new ZKS books coming out that nice. are being worked on right now too. So, how far are those along are? Uh, definitely yeah. some that will most likely be there for Midsummer Screen. It's it's a it's a it's a hope. It's a hope. Okay, yeah, totally understandable. If not this year, next year. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel that way about a lot of books and projects that I worked on. Where right. like uh, w- w- one thing I've been worked on, I've been working on. The hope was that it was going to be available for a free comic book day. That didn't work. Then it was Midsummer Scream 2019. That didn't work. So now I moved it back to my original plan, but a whole year later. <laughs> so I want for free comic book day 2020. <laughs> right. 
that's what's hard because I have a, I have a lot of ideas that I would love to flesh out and work with. But um, again, we're where most comic book companies would be able to pay per page and pay their employees in a manner to where they, they can not have to worry about a full-time job. We're not that kind of company. We're just diehard comic book fans that love to create. And so we have to work on those timelines. Yeah. So I'd love to find, I'd love to do a web comic. I'd love to do a monthly comic. I'd love to do any of that stuff, but if we stress, had the time and <laughs> the time and the stress of trying to wrangle all that together without the finances, it, it's just very daunting. Yep. As any uh, independent creator will tell you, that's right. <laughs> a huge headache. And especially like as a writer, because I, I can't draw at all. Uh. So I have all these ideas in my head, but I have to rely on somebody else to finish them. And it's not that any nobody else is reliable. It's just it adds time to it. Yeah. And I wish I was a, one of those writer artists like you, you know, that can just... Well, my, my favorite thing when I team up with a writer is when a writer gives like uh, one sentence that means many hours of my life. When <laughs> the sentence will be something like a, a football game. And I'm like, what? Cause a now force I... apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like a few words. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a week. Because <laughs> uh, like the football game, I'll never forget that being the most – the football game is the most daunting. Like the most – I was horrified when I saw that sentence because I now I need to invent two teams. Right. And I also have to invent the colors and make sure the colors don't match any professional football players, football teams that people will recognize and be like, uh, no, those aren't the colors for those. Those right. are the colors for them. Uh, and then I had to draw people in the audience. And I was like, what are the audience members well, going to be wearing? Me, I want to ask you about yeah. that. Like, where do, where do you start? Do you start on the background? Do you start on the bleachers? Do you start on the audience? Like, what, you know, what layer... Where do you start first in drawing something like that? Uh, with a football game in the audience, it's going to be the football players because I want to focus on wherever the focus is going to be. That's where I'll start. And then you'll build the stadium and everything around that? Yes. Uh, my favorite thing is whenever I'm drawing – like my favorite thing that I realize I love doing it is clouds. Clouds are <laughs> clouds are the most uh, – Most innocuous thing you can draw? <laughs> well, it's just it's, – it's really relaxing because there's no wrong answer to that because clouds are supposed to be chaotic. And so you're drawing them and you just like free-handed and then you just keep adding on to it. So you and do like a total people, Bob Ross and happy little clouds. Totally right? Bob Ross. Happy totally. When he, when he gets peaceful with drawing clouds, I totally understand that because uh, there is no mistake with clouds. <laughs> you can't mess up a cloud. No. <laughs> Because like I'll I'll start a cloud and then I'll stop or I'll, my hand will lift off and I'll leave that there because I know that clouds are stretched out and sometimes they're one cloud could have little bits trailing off of it. Right, they can be open ended. You don't have to like draw a complete closed circuit around so it. So that's my favorite part. Like when I when I drew the football players in the arena, I drew the football players because that's where your focus is, and then I drew the people in the background. But then once I got background done, then I did the uh, clouds. And it's always strange doing the blurring tool because I have to make sure that if you're doing depth, the people in the very far background have to be blurrier. The the things and the items in the background have to be blurrier than the things that you get closer. But then if you put something really in the far, far background, you don't want to be too blurry because there's a thing where if it's like the mountains, the mountains aren't completely blurred out of your mind. Right. They're too big to be fully blurred. You'll just, but you have to find the balance between which layer you're going to blur the most. Well, you could also draw like you you forgot your glasses at home. Yes, you know, like you're the person <laughs> the person seeing it left their glasses at home, and they're like, "What is over there?" So, 24 hour comic book day last year, you brought in a clown to deliver donuts to me. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. I'm going to bring it up because like someone <laughs> someone asked last night, they're like, hey, did you hear about those donuts delivery thing? I was like, well, at the time of last year, I think it was only in Texas, but then you fixed that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I remember – it's funny when you said the gla- without glasses, it's blurry. Right. Because um, I did not see the clown originally. I only saw it from my peripheral. And I saw a blurred pile of bright colors coming at me. And like, that can't be good. (laughs) Bright colors don't generally, like, I hang out with a lot of friends who wear dark colors. So you see bright colors. It's like, it's like the poisonous frog. You know, it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh my God, there's a kite coming at me. (laughs) Kites don't come indoors. It's got to be a clown. (laughs) And that one time it's an indoor kite. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
with a clown on the other side. Oh my god, that'd be ah, oh, that'd be awful. Next year goals, <laughs> kite clown. Uh, next year, I've I've got ideas for next year because uh, we went to Not Scary Farm, me and my friends, and uh, we went down this whole walkway, and there was just a clown every few feet. That was the gauntlet. That was the that was one of the scariest times of my life just because uh, the clowns – generally clowns a lot of times – I don't know if they're under new management or their supervisors talk to them. But in previous years, all the clowns came at once. This one, the clowns were spread out. So as we were walking, the clowns would come to me. I, wa- I got into their realm and then they would come to me. And so the our path never stopped being infected by a clown. That was nuts. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how I got this. Oh, uh, next year for my clown charity, I'm going to have a shirt that says, I hate clowns. Uh, You're just inviting trouble with that. Well, that's going to be a, that's gonna be one of the tiers. If you raise this much money, I'll get a shirt that says that. Because, yeah, it's inviting trouble, and I don't want trouble unless you're willing to pay for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you pay, then I'll pay. <laughs> I'll do that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in November. And uh, I know this is completely like we were talking about horror films, but I feel like that's how the beginning of November is. It's you are you still have hangover from Halloween, Halloween hangover. Right. Uh, What are you thankful for? For, Get all sweet and sentimental. (laughs) uh, Fans. Fans. Uh, I'm very grateful and thankful that I was able to write or create something that people liked, even though I didn't think that they would. So you didn't think that they would like it? No. You know, when you do it. Uh, you do it for yourself. Okay. And you hope that people will like it. But uh, the reality is is that sometimes you're just not going to gel with the audience or the audience won't get what you're, the message you're trying to portray. And uh, you find that you're writing for yourself as opposed to everybody else. And so when I saw the first time we did, second time we did Free Comic Book Day, uh, a 10-year-old kid had come up to me and was like, oh, you guys are the ZKS guys. I love you guys. And he recited not only my comic book to me, word by word, but also the five steps on how to identify a zombie. He told me all that stuff. And I'm like, first off of all, there's boobies in our book. And then <laughs> I was like. <laughs> the kid's oh. like, I know. <laughs> He's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, I'm all, we have a fan. And I like, got all goosebumpy and, like, almost teared up. And he just gave him everything for free. I was like, here, take everything. I don't care. Just take it all. And it was based from that, you know, I was able to, uh, because of our fans, I was able to build the company up as much as I did. I mean, you've been around, you've seen it. Like I've ran two comic book expos. I put on three zombie beauty pageants. The beauty pageants was were they were amazing. I, I've I've done. I mean, every year we go to conventions and and we just get return fans back and forth wanting more and more and more and more. I've been yelled at so many times. By, by women because they're mad that I don't carry girl shirts. Same women that come up every year. <laughs> like, I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. And then other people that are like, when's the next ZKS book coming out? We're waiting for it. So it's because of that, because of those fans that we were able to grow and expand and do all the things that we've been able to do. And without them, nowhere. I'd be nowhere. I'd just be some dude in the garage talking on a microphone. Like we are now. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that we were able to find an audience. That's way too cool with the kid reciting your what you wrote. Right. The thing that you wrote. That's nuts. When we do, like every year for Free Combo Day, we did a new poster. You know, five steps of this and that and that. And one guy had come up and he's like, uh, he's like, every year I come here and I miss you guys. For the past three years I've been trying to come up here and I miss you guys. Look, I have all the posters from the years before. Could you sign them all please? And I really want this year's. And we're like, where are you that you couldn't come to us for three years at this event? And he's like, well, you know, I got off work late and, you know, the lines are long and I'm at the end of the line. By the time I get up here, uh, you guys are already gone. So I felt so bad. Like, and he had like seven of the different posters that we did. <laughs> so we like signed everything, gave him a ton of free stuff and like patches and shirts. And we're like, thank you so much. You know, because we're just appreciative of that. Like, we're not used to it, you know. I feel like that's that's something that I totally empathize with and I totally understand it where uh, if I meet like a really dedicated fan, I'm just like, I got free stuff. Do you want free right. stuff? Just take Here. everything. 
because you you actually you you pay attention to me. You you right. make it worthwhile. You make it worthwhile to do this stuff. So right. here's things. <laughs> exactly, exactly the point. Uh, my tattoo artist. We did a uh, banning market night a couple weeks ago, and my tattoo artist came in. I met this guy twice, and he's tattooed me. You know, we're not like really great friends, but he's like, "Yeah, I followed you on Instagram. I heard you were here. I came out here. Let's buy some stuff." I'm like, "Thanks!" And he bought a whole bunch of stuff, and he, he I signed everything. He made me sign everything. I gave him a free shirt and free patches yeah, yeah. and everything. And they got to add stuff here, right, right? And all the books are now hanging up at his booth, his tattoo parlor. Uh, so it's all a forbidden panel on one wall. That's amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> so. Uh, we are wrapping it up. We're wrapping up. That's a good ending. To, that's right. amazing. Like, which tattoo artist do you can you say the person's name? Uh, like, Ruben Rios. He's at uh, Ink Famous Tattoo in Redlands. And he's got a whole forbidden wall. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, where can someone find your information to be able to follow you? Forbiddenpanel.com is the website. Uh, I'm on every social media network everywhere. As Forbidden Panel. As Forbidden Panel, or personally as Draven D R A Y B N. Um. Yeah, everywhere. Every social media thing. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for coming. Thank you. For, well, I'm here at your place. So <laughs> thanks thank for you. opening the garage door. <laughs> thank you for letting me come to you. <laughs> right. well, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um. I'm I'm looking super forward to the next Zombies Kill Squad book. I'm really excited about so that. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Midsummer Scream in many months next year. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, that's the end of this bowl.